market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Good Monday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer, David Faber. S&P is set to open in bear market territory after the worst week since January. A lot of moving pieces today. The yield curve inverts, Bitcoin breaks support. And, of course, we await the Fed decision on Wednesday, 10-year, three and a quarter. Our roadmap this morning begins with inflation fears and the stock sell-off. Futures do point to a sharply lower open. Plus the consumer impact. Coke CEO James Quincy tells Jim how the company is handling inflationary pressures and those supply chain challenges. And, of course, we have a crypto crumble, let's call it that at least. Bitcoin, a lot of other uh, uh, cryptos down dramatically, not to mention some of these exchanges not looking so good either. No? No. We'll get to all of it, Jim. There's, uh, we'll start with the markets and the extension to Friday sell-off. There's really nothing working today, Jim, whether it's no. about rates, about China, about Ukraine. Uh, I'm it's hard to find, turn anywhere and find a positive headline. Uh, no, there isn't. Uh, China, obviously, once again, the failed policy. Ukraine, uh, we learned that Russia uh, could conceivably be winning, at least in the east, where Ukraine's suffering instead of 100 deaths a day, unfortunately, 200 deaths a day in their army. Their army's not that big versus Russia. Uh, oil down, so if you're trying to make money off of oil, that's not going to work. But I think the main focus is Bitcoin. Uh, this is Bitcoin Monday, and I think everybody realizes, like they did when I was out west, as I said in an important memo that's only for CNBC Investing Club. Yes, that, uh, I try to read it, well, and then it wouldn't let me read it because I'm not in the we, club. You're, you, you can't get through the paywall? No. no. So well, I wanted to see his 15 well, reasons and things he learned because it was 15, correct? 15, yeah. And, and Well, you have to pay. Me. I'm not going to give you a copy of it. I know. All right, thanks. Well, anyway, get back I'm, to crypto. I don't want to. Okay, I don't so wanna, yeah. I asked everybody about it. And almost, so I asked some, a lot of CFOs. We had a CFO council. Uh, but most importantly, I asked every CEO offline, do you have any Bitcoin? The word that kept coming back, con. It's a con. I said, well, how about NFTs? And they said, well, that's just, you know, can't conceivably even be asking about NFTs if I'm telling you that crypto's a con. I didn't mean a solo had any crypto. Not well, so. You've been asking about how some of these exchanges and the like could offer these re- incredibly high Gary rates of return. And obviously we have one today that's suspended, that has suspended They're, the ability to withdraw. You were, get, you were um, getting seven, some people say 17 for that. I still don't fully understand it. Obviously, other than locking up somehow your relationship with them, which I guess would be. I mean, like his relationship bank or something? Way. I don't know, Jim. I don't want to make I don't want to make a joke of it because there a lot of the younger people and a lot of people borrow money. They will be gone today if they're not careful. Uh, this is just shocking to people because, frankly, we don't know how many exchanges there are. I know when when I Gary Gensler made money, I was telling him I was getting eight percent with my Ethereum, and he said, "Well, that's basically too good to be true, Jim." And I think what he was really saying is. You're about to lose a lot of money. Uh, 18-month low on Bitcoin, uh, below 24K. Market cap below a trillion, down 23% in a week. Monster, or MicroStrategy, sorry, down 24 today. Yeah, that's a MicroStrategy's up. Yeah. $21 is where they. Yeah, their debt's not looking so good right no? now either. No. All right, no. well, $21, 21000 is where they break, yeah. apparently. That's the key margin call level. That's not to say break. They say that they have some more Bitcoin to be able to help. This is where, you know, here's what happens typically in these situations. The people who really have a lot invest, invested in crypto, 
crypto come in and they make a stand and they say, well, listen, see, this was the bottom. David, you know that there are a lot of Bitcomaniacs. There are. Bit, and they're going to come in today well, the, and they're going to, you know, it's well, going to be Braveheart. It's, it's Braveheart. Like the crypto bros. Um, Where are they? Look out. Miami real estate, some people are wondering, because, you know, you have had that conversation but, given all the trends that have been favoring Miami. That, but you for can, example, can't live in crypto. That, for example, there would no be no bust, boom bust cycle. But there's an enormous amount of wealth that has been created, particularly in that town where so much where there's so much activity. Uh, you do have to wonder what the impact is going to be on the wealth effect, essentially, because there are a lot of people losing a lot of money right now in crypto that have, by the way, become m millionaires many times over over the last few years. And well, have didn't spent they take a some off? Money. Well, uh, let's say that they were prudent. Well, they've raised a lot of money. And yeah, well, maybe well. if they spent it, they spent it on other things. And that was a great way but to what diversify. Are you saying? You're saying that the Miami mayor at a, at a wedding I went to, the Miami mayor came up to me and said that I wasn't positive enough. Suarez, he's, by the way, he's a great mayor for business there. I don't, I'm not in any way criticizing. I'm no. simply making the point that you can have a significant negative wealth effect from what we're watching here. That's I'm not, not going to that. that because, and yeah. not just that, not just Bitcoin, but the exchanges. Well, so, Robin, I mean, so many, 21 percent so of their many assets. Of the different elements of the ecosystem. Well, look, we never found out how much there was, how much they were getting. Remember, one of the great, remember, these guys would always say the same thing, blockchain. You know, like, wow, it's like, do you, is the SEC regulating you? Do you know anything about blockchain? And be like, no, I, I know about banking. I'm sorry. I mean, like, do you know anything about blockchain? It's like, do you know anything about the, you know, about the Tower of Babel? Or do you know anything about, I don't know, when the tablets were delivered? I mean, it was always blockchain was the answer, the glib answer that they gave you about why you don't have to worry. Sure. And that we don't want the government in it. That's why we love it, because we don't want the government in it. Well, I, I don't know. The last, I got some Benjamins in my wallet. I'm glad the government's in there. Uh, they take them. Do you see that? Most places now take a Benjamin. Speaking of which, uh, dollar index near a 20-year high. As, oh. that has, that has clearly well, that's, we forgot that negative. Right. right. right? <laughs> well, got, I mean, you know, what's, you know what's amazing is that China continues with a policy which says that almost as if we have natural immunity if you just let everybody not have it. I mean... You've got these situations that looks like the movies. You moved very quickly there from well, the dollar no, 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 to China. That wasn't quickly. There's was a bridge there no, that we, I think you forgot to cross. Because we were trying to have the parade of horribles, and I left them out. It's like it's like the Disney parade without like Mickey or oh, something. Okay. Right. The fact that yeah. Beijing is sort of I don't know what would you call it, Carl? Moving back towards well, lockdown in some way. Yeah, 50 least. new cases in Beijing, what? 37 new cases in Shanghai. So they did a lot of mass testing over the weekend. They're going to roll back some school openings. Well, uh, no sign that they're fully going into lock, lockdown expiration. Well, I mean, why don't they call Pfizer or Binax? Oh, you and, keep saying yeah, that. But, well, no, why, you know, why I do you just, say the same thing over I, and I over and over I have my crypto in Binax. They, don't, they keep doing the same not thing. not everybody over. watches it every day. You think everybody watches it every day? Some people catch it like once out of five. Well, I don't, I, by the way, she hasn't watched it at all. No. Okay? No. Well, not you once. can tell him not that I have once. all my crypto in Binax now. Not once, okay? <laughs> they're, and they're, they're not going to Binax's and they're not getting the Pfizer. I, I went to a photo shoot yesterday. They're not doing every, it. Every, so just, is that by. This is, this is not from Abbott Labs. Labs. It's not from Abbott Labs. Saying that they temporarily uh, paused some withdrawals, but the real story was Celsius. Uh, yeah. Yes. And, their, and their withdrawal. Yeah, of, Fahrenheit 461 there with the Celsius. Uh, now, let's understand. Okay, so their bank just closed for new business, David. Uh, $12 billion that are in there. 
They were getting, some say, up to 17%, 17%. interest. You're talking about Celsius now, right? Yeah, yes. well, that's, yeah. I hate to jump around too much, but no, I'm jumping. we're back to crypto, which is, well, well certainly, it's the, look at it's the, the future this I mean, this morning. is not, I mean, there are going to be opportunity today. Okay. Because we're down the last two, two straight days. We're headed into a Fed meeting of which, if he does, if he, if Jay Powell, he locked himself into 50, no, he's taken himself off. So maybe he does 75, the, certainly the two-year says he might. Yeah. Um, I think you maybe buy the two-year. This is this. Listen, this but, continues but to, to let this continues to take speculation out of the market in an right. area where we've talked about I there like being that. a great deal of it. Uh, many people may have been on margin. You're going to see a negative many. wealth effect yeah, in this. Yeah, we know from Robinhood that a lot of them a are. lot of them are right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, keep deflating the tires, so to speak. The yeah. question is how long you can hang on before the damage gets too great and everybody I, I, starts yelling and screaming. I'm not quite sure. I do think, by the way that the Fed should do more than $95 billion in bonds. They should come out and say, listen, we're going to do $2 billion in bonds. They want to get that longer in the yield curve. Now, the National Association of Realtors doesn't want that. They want the house, the the you're, you're talking about You're talking about the tightening, the quantitative, yes, they also reducing the balance sheet. Yeah, right. because Lenar and Toll are trading, you know, they're just sort of trading at four or three times earnings. So, I mean, if you cut the earnings in half, they're very inexpensive. Toll's at $5 billion right now. Yeah. So I think that... Let's just get it over with. Let's just get it over with. Have mortgage rates go to six and a half. David, let's get it over with. Well, we do have a 10-year that's now 326 that was well, below three last gonna, week. Go to five. And by the if way, reminding bond, people that it has not been a great year to own bonds. If you've been in bond, certain bond funds as well, you've had significant losses also. Yes, There's true. been nowhere to hide. Well, not no, crypt, two, you can hide where, two where can you hide? Two years. Fine. Two year. Where else? What other asset class could you hide in? Not even gold. Why is gold not up? I, I, a lot of people selling gold. I like gold here. Uh, well, where nowhere to hide is wrong because there's yeah, there's, there's the two year. Right. There's commodities where? in Brazil. Uh, the two years. Brazilia, yeah, the socials there. Listen to me. I'm listening. If we need pipe in this country. So the fact that oil's down for two bucks. I mean, we need that gas pipe. The Europeans need that gas because you could Russia's, have hit an energy without a doubt and been very buy, happy. Look, so it's down today. I mean, I think you buy energy. Because we don't have enough energy. I think it's very much like 1969, 71. We need enough energy. 73, 74. I mean, you know what, David? Some people say that Exxon has got more money than God. <laughs> Including our president. This is, this is what the president? president said on Friday. Take a listen if you missed it. We're going to make sure that everybody knows Exxon's profits. Why don't you tell them what Exxon's profits were this year, this quarter? Exxon made more money than God this year. Exxon, start investing, start paying your taxes. Who had the better year? Well, I don't know what God's looking like these days. Yeah. You know, I, hopefully uh, God was not in a lot of um, when does crypto. When does DeGrom come back? Soon. Well, hey, I mean, yeah. you know, more. I mean, I love him. I'm saying yes. that if you want to What does that have to do? I'm sorry. Well, because I'm the... trying to get away from about going against a deity. I don't want to, like, say oh, that. Oh, I see. Now, David. Yes. I know on June 22nd. Yes. At 8 p.m. Correct. You're doing a documentary about, it's a religious documentary. <laughs> God. It, and uh, David, yes. <laughs> if, the, if Exxon and Chevron all were saying behind the scenes we're willing to pump, pump more if there's yeah. a meeting of the minds of the president, yeah. does this make it more likely that they'll pump more or less? Just, I, I don't understand those comments. I'm sure you don't. Well, they're, they're, they're ready. The oil companies told they're, me they're ready to sit down with the president. 
But the president's not going to sit down no, with you, like you've Zeus made, and you've made that and, point. Uh, they pay their taxes. And by the way, yes, they are going to generate an enormous amount of cash flow. So do we need a windfall? Is, is he saying no windfall doubt. to Jimmy Carter? Are we going to do a windfall property? I didn't hear that, but that has been discussed. Well, I mean, um, I have no idea. I would not imagine that you, that has the ability to actually get through Congress. But you cannot. Um, you cannot. David. They are generating enormous amounts of cash flow, and the question, of course, is how they allocate that cash flow in terms of whether they return it to shareholders in the form of dividend or buybacks, or whether they do put more on the ground to increase production, or whether they commit more to their carbon neutral goals. Are key questions. Well, questions that, that we one, obviously address you, in this you document. You left out an obvious one, which is that if the president is going to criticize Exxon, then the oil companies will not put down more pipe because they'll be afraid that when the when it's done, there could be a windfall tax, say after the midterm. So windfall taxes on the table. This is a Jimmy. Yeah, except Jimmy except that. I mean, well, well I can't speak for the for the. Uh, I don't know. Maybe the Republicans also. I don't know where they, that would come down, Jim. Do you yep. have any sense as to whether there is really? Uh, an ability to actually get a windfall tax bill passed so. and on anything. the president's desk seems highly done. seems unlikely. But if you're Mike Worth, Carl, and you're the CEO of Chevron, you were perfectly willing to be with the president to talk about maybe pumping more in return for something. I think you'd just say, "Wow, I don't know if I'll take my call." Uh, it's looking a little bit late at this point yeah. to start to talk about Hi, that. Mr. Right? President, this is Mr. Worth from Chevron. Yeah, I paid a lot of money at the pump and then hang up. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to a lot more on that. Got some calls on Tesla and Ulta today. More macro desks looking at 3,400, 3,500. And then Jim has an exclusive with Coke uh, talking about inflation, supply chain, the new ready-to-drink Jack I and, can use some right Jack now. and Coke. <laughs> Take a look at futures here on a rough Monday in store. We're back in a moment. Coca-Cola and liquor company Brown Foreman announcing plans to debut Jack Daniels Tennessee whiskey and Coca-Cola ready-to-drink cocktail. The beverage will be available in markets around the world, initially launching in Mexico late 2022, uh, also known, by the way, as uh, Jack and Coke. I spoke exclusively with Coke chairman CEO James Quincy, but did not drink any. Take a listen. We've been pursuing a, a very consumer-centric strategy as we go forward, and we've been doing some strategic experimentation in the, in the alcohol sector or the low alcohol sector uh, since 2018. Uh, and at the end of the day, one of the opportunities is premixed cocktails. And there is, at the end, no better, uh, no more popular bar call uh, than Jack and Coke. Uh, and so we got together with them and said, look, if we're going to do this, we believe that by putting Coca-Cola in the Jack, uh, we can take what was an existing premixed cocktail to a completely new level uh, and create a uh, uh, something that really works for consumers and will be great for the coal company. All right. We weren't actually able to get the split of who could make the most money, but we also discussed inflation, price increases, and supply chain challenges that's, that really are going to bedevil Coca-Cola this rest of the year. Take a look. We uh, have taken an approach of, you know, as inflationary costs, whether they be commodity or wage or logistics, come through, we need to pass them on into the marketplace. Elasticities have been low. Uh, uh, so far, uh, you know, it, as we talked about in the first quarter, uh, it's my expectation that tougher times are ahead. Um, but we have a clear plan. We have great brands and we have great commercial execution. And we think that we can uh, pass through the costs and take the pricing that the brands have earned. Uh, and we very much believe the brands have to earn uh, the price increases so that we will we will be robust into the future. I think elasticities will come back in. 
Uh, but we will have a robust business because we will have earned the price increases that we ultimately have to put through. Well, James, when I look at the can, the syrup, the advertising, is there anyone you can push back on? You can tell the can companies, you know what? We've had it with your price increases. Or it, the liquid, guys, we're done. I know it keeps going up. Or can you just say to any of the companies where you advertise, you know what? We're not paying like you told us. Is there any power in your system where you can tell the other side, we're done? Well, of course, as, as we're a huge buyer of many things uh, in the marketplace, whether they be commodities, services, uh, advertising or whatever, Clearly, what we do and where we spend our money matters. Uh, but our focus is very much on long-term uh, partnerships with people. Uh, and what we're seeing in the marketplace, and one of the reasons we have these inflationary pressures, uh, is not just uh, you know the, the negotiation, but it's about the structural supply. There hasn't been enough can supply from, for example, in the U.S. There haven't been enough truck drivers coming in uh, and learning to drive. Uh, to supply the logistics in, in the U.S. So we can, we can have a big, tough negotiation, but ultimately we need to help solve the problem. So we've worked, uh, we've worked to bring uh, with suppliers, they're investing huge money in the U.S. to bring in new aluminum sheet and canning lines. Uh, we've worked to invest uh, in helping bring more truck drivers uh, in, into the uh, authorized marketplace. So we focus very much on what's the structural problem here that's causing uh, these price increases? And is there something that we can uh, promote and tap into that will create uh, a better structure going forward uh, into the future? Because, you know, one tough negotiation leads to another tough negotiation. But what's needed is structural solutions. Well, James, I don't know if they're putting up more aluminum cheap, maybe the candy companies respond. That could be the longer term bull case. I mean, if they bring supply on, eventually you come up to a better price for Coca-Cola. Absolutely. I mean, it, it works out in the end. And as long as we back uh, those moves with the right marketing and the right innovation and the right commercial execution, uh, that will create value for the Coke company and everyone who participates uh, in the ecosystem of these drinks all the way down uh, to, to, to the suppliers. See, now, listen to his words. What he's saying is, is that they finally are putting supply up. There was a belief that uh, that mostly that at one point or another, things will have slowed down in this country that we don't need to put up supply. You know, if you're a canning company, there's only a couple canning companies, and some people would say that they're actually, uh, they signal each other what price. That would not be the case. If, uh, that's very low advice they do that. But if they finally put up, that's what's supposed to happen. There's been so much demand and so little supply that you might see a situation where Coca-Cola raised price, raised price, raised price, and, ra and put a premium price on, on uh, uh, a Jack and Coke, and then steel prices can prices come down. And that's Nirvana, which is why uh, if you take a look at the times that Coca-Cola has come out of these things, it always comes out on top. So it's an interesting story that will come out on top. Really interesting. By the way, Morgan Stanley today reiterates overweight. It's one of the handful of Dow components green for the year. Well, it is remarkable that James figures out exactly what to do. So you have an 18-year-old market in Mexico. You see how it goes there. You already checked about how Topo Chico, large seltzer, has done. It's been very good. Uh, the brand, everybody knows Jack and Coke. It's one of those few things that people to, can go to at a bar. But in, uniquely, of course, this is at home. And so what happens is that maybe you go to... Uh, Oh, you go to Uber, they have Drizzly, and you order the Jack and Coke. It's a very good at-home product. David, uh, Jack is Jack Daniels, and Coke is actually Coca-Cola. Thank you. 
thank you. Not a drink that I've, I've uh, either, on either one of those. Well, never maybe been a, you never had either Coke one. Zero. That's right, they'll do Coke no, Zero. No, never, I don't drink. Uh, you never had a Jack and Coke? No. Jack and Diet? No, I don't Jack. drink Jack and I don't drink Coke. Oh. How about a seven? Seven and seven. Seven what? <laughs> never mind. No, no don't do that either. He's just. Do you think culturally it's as big a deal as like ESPN embracing? Okay. That's a great question. It, apparently overseas is much bigger. Yeah, I mean, it's just gigantic. It's this, it's something that plays in France and plays in, in China, yeah. plays in Japan. So it really is. I mean, it's a brilliant move because that had become that form factor. Suntory introduced that uh, form factor on uh, Man Money, David. This is where you can actually buy pre-made drinks, kind of like Crystal Light. Thank you. Not at all like Crystal Light. I just want to see if you're paying Crystal attention. Crystal Light is, right, I don't know. I just want to see if you're paying attention. This was a quiz. I'm, I'm trying. I'm, I'm, Are you trying? Oh, he's trying. Trying I to pay know. attention. Oh, the dog's fine, David. I'll just just this use Alpo. This is actually a reporting oh. tool, oh, okay. unfortunately, because I, I have to half listen to you while I you try to find know. things I out. I just was giving you the so okay, this never mind. Buy the, to you buy the fresh about, pet stuff. I don't even know what you're talking about, and then i got to try to actually respond to people. So rude. So rude. Yeah. I was out west, and this never happened. People pampered me. Yes. I'm back to being just excused. But at least you didn't give me one of those, yeah, Crystal Light. Definitely. Stay, oh, stay long, that Jack. Mescal, that's what I like. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, Mescal and Jack, really bad taste. No, I'm not putting those together. We'll, uh, we'll get Kramer's Mad Dash, and we'll count down to the opening bell. Uh, we'll see what happens at the open coming up in just under seven minutes. A little more than three minutes before we get started with trading here at the New York Stock Exchange. As we've told you any number of times, we are looking for a sharply lower open, perhaps bear market territory. Right. Target didn't help a few months, uh, about a, a no. few weeks ago when it uh, reported its earnings, although then it's come back and said we're getting out a lot of inventory. That's the subject of Mad Dad. Yes, well, I'm, I'm glad you gave that the, that's the subtext. Uh, I wrote a memo this morning, uh, well, it actually came out last night, for 15 things I learned out west. Uh, that's available only to club members, but you can subscribe and get it. One that I left out, uh, I went to a Target on Mission Street, Main Street in uh, California, and watched how many people didn't pay. And everything was under lock and key except for the head and shoulder shampoo, like soap was under lock and key. But I actually just stood at the end of the bottom of the elevator, I mean the escalator, and just watched person after person not pay. And then I was part of what I believe was a diversion. There was someone making a huge amount of trouble in front of me at the, on the line, and that caused virtually a bit of a jailbreak from people who did not pay. Um, I did feel at some point a little foolish that I paid. Uh, there was a guy who was waiting in line. He got is tired of waiting more, in line. And he worked about, out with the stuff. Is this more about the state of affairs in San Francisco than it is about Target? Well, what's, I mean, it's, if one store is not going to move the no, needle. No, you're right. I mean, what's really happening is that there's much bigger, much bigger situations where there are fencers. Now, there's nothing at Target that's really fenced. But when you go after the bigger stores and you steal things, you uh, fence them online. Yep. And you go to Amazon and you see Courtney stuff. Reagan did a piece on this a couple She's of years ago. It? No, she did a piece oh, on this. Well, I, now, I now, I mean, there is a, there's legislation uh, trying to get passed about this, but um, it is endemic. I found it quite uh, uh, anarchist. It was like anarchist. Anarchist. And uh, now they did pull... Uh, Chesa Boudin, who's the... They did. They did. Uh, him out. But I think you've come away from San Francisco wondering about that city's uh, future. Well, I just think that, that 
I, if this is endemic in many cities, particularly at more expensive stores, I wonder how the, the REITs are going to do. Uh, Senator Durbin's got a bill in that might frustrate the fencing part of it. So remember, you got the people who come in and take uh, cranberry juice, and then you got the people who go to Home Depot, steal things, and then put them up online in what looks like a store. Remember, one of the great things about Shopify and Adobe is you, you can look like a major hardware store. Right. Right, yeah. Yeah. But I, I, the target thing, David, was meant to be uh, the state of American retail when you get rid of the, the uh, felony for if you steal a lot. It's an issue in a number of urban centers. We know that. And not just for Target. I mean, I think it's more endemic at the drugstores. I'm picking on Target. I shouldn't. They just seem to be, they were there to be tickets. CBS is under lock and key. It's annoying. Everything, so many things are under lock and key that when they opened a, a thing for grapes, I was able to grab the grapes so I didn't have to pull anybody. It's a huge issue for retailers everywhere. Let's get the opening bell here and the CNBC real-time exchange to the big board. It's Decking Company, uh, the AZ Company, celebrating its second listing anniversary. We'll talk to the CEO in a little bit more than an hour. At the NASDAQ, Trusco Bank, a community bank on the East Coast, celebrating its 120th anniversary. And at 38.05 at the Open, that will be a fresh intraday low of the year. Right. And by the way, Jesse Singh, I've been on the show a number of times, the CEO of ASIC. Uh, it's actually a really great barometer for housing. So you'll have a terrific guest because this is decking. Uh, I think that this is that people are trying frantically to calculate uh, what is the right level to not be too scared at for the Fed. I think they're trying to calculate whether it was not over, not done enough. So it was not done enough on on Friday. And then, David, they're really trying to calculate the impact of the explosion of crypto. Implosion. Implosion. Yeah. Yes. So Implosion. what do you think? What do you hear? I, you tell me uh, how far and, and, and wide it goes. I, I just don't know. Um, we know there's been a great deal of speculation in crypto overall. There's obviously a lot of people who are very smart, who are firm and believers in the yeah. future of this, uh, without a doubt. And so certainly not passing judgment overall. But there has been uh, a lot of people on margin, as you know, as you pointed out many times, on the Robinhood platform, for example, uh, in the past. Um, there have been many people who've gotten uh, very wealthy over the last five to ten years. Yeah. I talked earlier about Miami, which has been the center of a lot of crypto activity benefiting a great deal from the growth of that overall industry. So you have to question all of those things, what the negative wealth effect will be, yeah. what connections overall there are. It's not clear to me, Jim, that there's any systemic concern here whatsoever. No, I think that this is, the some would argue, the uh, a necessary cleansing of speculation. Yes. Uh, uh, remember, I, I said last week, you know, I said in my memo that most of the people I talked to in Silicon Valley, Carl, just, just thought it was a giant con. I didn't meet anyone who thought that it was worthwhile. And the NFTs came under particular scorn. That's, I'm surprised that they would, they would use that strong a language. Oh, no, we, no. I was, mean, it's been many years now for us to at least talk to many people involved here. And I have certainly spoken to plenty of very smart, sophisticated people who have been convinced that this is... Oh, the wave of Without the future. Web3 is going to live on with uh, Web3. Yes. I heard yes. a lot about Web3, but I, I, I mean, and you know, it's easy for old guys to sit there and say, oh, it's not going to be anything. But I don't know, Jim. 
well, it's going to be something. It doesn't mean just because there's an enormous amount of speculation David, that ultimately it won't recover from this at some point. I don't want to sound like Scaramucci. You hear him earlier, you know, no, talking about Amazon. I get a cup of coffee. But he, this is important, David. Uh, the advertising is endless. And it always features people that you really want to emulate. Yes. And they seem like they just have to be, like, smart and stuff. I mean, fortune does favor the the, the, that's, the, the that's what I wanted to bring up. But I, I always fortune. thought it was the bold, so. Well, well so, I know. You know. It can be used interchangeably. I Googled it. Yeah. Yeah. Somehow bold sounds better. Uh, you can I hated chart that the debut of that ad back in October against a Bitcoin chart. Can you? Yep, It'll there you go. Well, I hope they didn't pay Damon in crypto. Yeah, Damon... Name was in crypto. They paid him in crypto? I don't know. For the ad? That's an interesting question. Yeah. Well, there, not a lot of places ended up taking, ended up, like it's over. <laughs> These people, it's the people over. who love it, I don't want to need protection from those people, but there are people who are quite vociferous that this was going to be the big replacement. And a lot of people felt it would be a great hedge to, uh, uh, to inflation. It turned out to be a horrendous hedge. And it's a lot. It's in a lot of places. I had Silvergate on. That's a place that has it. Obviously, MicroStrategy has a lot of it. Uh, and Coinbase, we know, is poster child. Uh, the that story last week. Silvergate's down eight sixty-five. The rescinding of job offers. That's a. That was a bit of a red flag. If you had at Coin. Yeah. I mean, I actually haven't seen a lot of that in my time. It, you know, maybe um, in 2008. And we had Sailor on, so, we've had him yeah, on so many he times. He's an evangelist for crypto. He's very articulate on it. Nobody disputes he's not a smart guy at putting so much, MicroStrategy becoming, in a sense, a way to invest in crypto. It's not going too well, well lately. Yeah, who's a smart yeah, guy? Gives you, that gives you, thank you guys for doing the full, because once again, we sort of see the. Right, well, people are up. I yeah. mean, this is the thing yeah. people have to recognize. You know, there are levels. Obviously, if you came in at certain levels, you're not doing that well. But there are people who always tell you that they were in at basically their, their basis is, and then they make up some basis that makes you feel like, wow, how brilliant they are. So maybe the basis, David, is not that bad. It may not be. Maybe there's crypto firepower on the other side. Uh, uh, Dogecoin down 95%. Jim, a lot of the desks over the weekend are looking at, at technical levels. Uh, Mike Wilson says, more risk of 3,400 uh, before a tradable low is in. Uh, Jonathan Krinsky, 3,400, uh, risk of a June swoon up significantly. David Costin looks at a bunch of cases, says the bear case would be 3,150. Right. Take a 14 times 225 next that, year. That was an incredibly thoughtful piece by Costin. Not that Wilson was, Wilson was very good, too, but, you know, Costin lays out a couple of scenarios, but on a day like today, you can't help but think that it's going to be the worst scenario. But he doesn't necessarily put it. As the window that that will happen, but it does define uh, a method where the PE is much lower than here, uh, and it's the PME that's going to go down. Wilson's so. been the Wilson's been the best though. He's been fabulous, and he's stuck with it. He's stuck with he's, it. And he's been right during these bear market rallies. That man, NB of A Hartnett, over a year now, yeah. was saying sell no, the well, vaccine, sell uh, sell peak Fed. Bunch yeah. of I mean, what's great is is that they really were unlike in two in two thousand eight, particularly in two thousand. There are people who got it right, and they positioned people, and they got out, got a lot of people out. J.P. Morgan did a piece that was well. Rather, you're assuming people listened to them, and frankly, well, I'm not sure anybody listened. They didn't to cause them. the problem no. this time. Uh, now here, my my friend Michael Simbles, he did a piece on SPACs that told you to get the heck out of them, and we're going to talk about a particular SPAC, David, that was really disastrous this weekend, and okay. said uh, uh, said at the actually actually the top sell crypto. 
Uh, there's an alpha called, jeez, um, this is an alpha we got to talk about. It's a SPAC. It's called Elms or Electric Last Mile Solutions. Uh, this uh, had the misfortune of kind of being David Chapter 7. Have you followed this? Oh, yeah. Bye-bye. Liquidation? Well, I didn't actually follow it. No. Okay. Well, no. What's, here's what's important. Yeah, tell me why. What's um, important? They made these, uh, you know, you were allowed to make projections, okay? Yeah. And these guys projected that they would have uh, $3 billion in revenues in 2025. Right. And in 2023, they had $1.1 billion. And David, the profitability here could be extreme. But, you know, I don't think it's going to get there. You're talking no. about the projections that came out at the time that they obviously well, announced the transaction. It, and we pointed out many times these projections. I Listen, I used to look at them and they were laughable. They but, were always laughable. But wait a second, David. I mean, this okay. thing is at 21 Ooh. cents. They could be cash flow positive in Q4 2022. I think they're going to shelve that. Uh, yeah, sounds like that's no longer going to be the case. 83,000 units in 2025. Yes, no, maybe. Maybe, maybe not. Um, um, okay. How about, okay, so... How about EBITDA for 200? No, I'm not going to make it. No, ask me an informal question. Oh. Uh, <laughs> what will not be a target achieved? <laughs> well, 791 million was what they thought they could do by the end of 2020. Now, I will say that this was well flagged. Uh, so this is not something that I'm, you know, necessarily like. No, but I'm glad you about. went back to point it out because well, got at the, the time, right, at, at the time in December of 2020, yeah. when they announced this deal, uh, you could put out these kinds of incredible projections that it, talked it, about unbelievably uh, 791 billion in EBITDA. Well, that was, you know, that was uh, ill-advised. But the SEC let it all happen. Yeah, you know, let it. Don't let it be said but, that this wasn't a blessed scenario. Well, we talked about pockets of speculation in this market. Spacs and crypto have been two of them. They have both. Well, had a can lot I just say? Of, uh, air can I just say? Tires, how so long ago did you start the? Jokes about SPACs, including a year and a half ago. A, yeah, including, ago. by the way, a graphic yes. that shows that you were not promoting SPACs. That's true. And I don't know if we have no, the graphic, but we pointed out many times, uh, we many, were, many, many, many times. We had in tremendous fact, scorn for granted. Uh, <laughs> it upset a lot of my friends because many of them actually started SPACs. I have a lot of friends who which was a sign. I, I have a lot of friends who approached me. And everybody you know starts a SPAC. Remember a SPAC in a dream. Uh, well, yeah. there, were, there was a period where I felt spackless was like being, you know, without underwear. Yes, yes. You know, washing commandos. On that note, by the way, I mean, there's any number of them. I'm looking at this iron source. I think that was a Toma Bravo spack. IS is the symbol there, $2.39. You're picking on them. I am picking on them a little bit. Um, an incredibly successful private equity firm is Toma Bravo. Incredibly. Yeah, Linda right. Bravo's been People a guest on our network many times. I did go back and look at that Anaplan price cut. Remember yeah, last week? Yeah, what do you week? think about that? Because I wanted Frank to see the background of the transaction. Why did this price cut occur? Uh, and they're no different than any other private equity firm. When they see an opportunity to get a price cut, no matter how minuscule the reasons sure. may be, they do it. And they did it here in that Anaplan deal. Why did they cut it? Well, Anaplan estimated it would have to grant $137 million in merit-based and new hire grants to new workers. That was 32 more than had been agreed on in the merger agreement and in the covenants. Um, and so they pounced. They pounced. Yeah. Even when Anaplan's CEO management and other executives actually offered to forfeit equity awards in the last cycle, 
to even it out and get back to this 105 million that they'd originally agreed to? You know what they said? No. No, that would that would risk damaging employee morale. We don't want you to do that. Instead, we just want to pay less. <laughs> yeah, so, employee morale. And Anna Plan, obviously, in yes. this market environment, decided not to litigate. It's a worth a read. And I only bring it up because we wondered why. And frankly, they saw an opportunity. They took it. It was for really a, something that was so minor. Uh, but they got a minor price cut. I mean, a 4% price cut. But it does make you wonder about sale, uh, sale point well, and, and any other deal. Because they're like all the other firms. And if they say otherwise, well, come on and defend yourself. Ryan. I met I'm a happy half dozen companies that told me great things about Toma Bravo last week. Yeah. And I thought that meant, please. Please help me, Tom Abraham. By the way, they love them because they come in and they pay a high yeah. multiple and they, they, don't have and to they take anymore. them out. Yeah. So, no, and, they, and I want to make it clear they've had an incredible record. No, they have. It doesn't matter. Tom Abraham is No, I'm just saying that people want to be bailed feature. out. A lot of these guys feel that their stock is actually undervalued. Well, these I, guys were pushed into it by Scott Ferguson, Keith Meister. They did the deal because they, you know, that activist has said you got to do a deal. So they did. And well, they got David, a price when cut. are people going to start buying these SPACs? Like, you know, buy them. Buying the SPACs? No, I'm saying like a company like 23andMe is valued at 993 I'm sure like, that there are some values there, like everything is else. Is it too early market. to buy 23andMe? That's what you have to answer that question. I don't know. I don't know. I owned the street.com. It went from 62 to 1. It's kind of like as fast as the Tesla goes from 1 to 62. But it came back. It never came back. It did. No, it didn't. No, we got actually a lot of money in the end. For did you? We bought a bunch of things. You wish you'd put your money in something else over that 20 years. No, though. actually, the term, was pretty, the term was equal to the S&P. Really? When I was finished. Yeah, it was kind of cool. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, uh, David is uh, reluctant, I think, to talk about things like Kind, which has a big buyback that's next door holdings, and the buyback moved the stock. That's Sarah Fryer. A lot of people talked about that, Sarah Fryer being a really fabulous CEO, but SPAC'd. And SPAC is... All right, but what, what about the broader market now? Uh, well, this, some is of the bigger names here. this is Bristol-Myers right? market. And the NASDAQ being this down... This is Bristol-Myers market. 3%. Uh, down 30% for the year, as Carl said, revisiting the lows. The S&P is now down 20%. We are in a bear market. Okay. From the, well, what does that uh, tell us? From the beginning of the year. Um, buy, I don't know. I mean, you where, buy where, do, stocks. where you buy, do you get brave and, and say this has gone where do you too get far? Yeah. Where do you get bold for brave? Historically, this Where does is, Matt Damon step in here? Exactly when um, Joel Joe Embiid steps in. I think, Carl, that historically, not today, but maybe near the end of the day after the margins, but tomorrow, people go back to Bristol-Myers. They go back to what doesn't have any economic sensitivity. Now, what's so strange is that you would think they don't go back to anything. They should be looking at the two-year and think that this is great. We do have a Fed meeting, which makes it so it's a bit more of a wild card. But if the Fed does 75, then people think, wow, how can we avoid a recession? Or, wow, what does the Fed know? And that's when you buy Bristol-Myers. Right now, market's pricing in about a third of a chance of a 75 this week. Just a third? 83% uh, next month, uh, July. A lot lot written over the weekend, Jim, about if they were to go 75, uh, does that deconstruct the forward guidance that they would argue has has been their most effective tool this well, year. They have to shut up. I mean, they were saying 50 basis points. I know shut up is a mean thing, but they were saying okay. 50. Right. And then they got to double how many bonds they're going to sell. This 95 doesn't cut it. They got to take 200. They want to cool the mortgages. They want to cool well, houses. You just want them to get it over with faster. Why and not? Do you think I want to talk about this all summer? No, I got a garden I want to do? That seems to be the, one of the key differentiators between this period and others we've seen. Everything seems to resolve very quickly in the in past 94, in terms of I want our concerns. In 94 scenario. But this boom, is going to take boom. a while. This takes a while. No, it doesn't have. Inflation he, takes a while. He can to, be he unheat things. 
if you take demand down and heat, then Ooh, you're going to then supply for whatever there is, whether it be housing, whether it be retail, is going to cause gluts everywhere. And that's but don't be you your see chance. those gluts already in the making? Yes, I do. I mean, B of A wrote over the weekend about the end. They called it the end of all shortages. Semis, it's why autos. Retail inventories are already above right. pre-COVID levels. The, Housing. Uh, Uber has talked about better driver supply. Uh, yes, yeah. Dara said that to me a number of times. All good. All good. But you got to get there. Jordan River is deep and wide, David. Right. All right. So you tell me, well, you the, terminal, the, you tell me the terminal rate of Fed funds and when we're going to get there, and I'll tell you. All Look, right. I think they could. Because that's the big question. They could up, do up to 300, uh, take the long rates if they sell a lot of their bonds, maybe go to 300 billion each month, take the, take the long rates of 6, 7, it cause mortgages at 8, and then things start going down. And you don't think there's anything they know about the leveraged loan market that would make that even more troublesome? Well, I just don't think it's, I think it's very small versus 2008. Um, Crypto is very small, except for it's going to hurt a lot of people. The consumer balance sheet's the best it ever is, did. The uh, the enterprise balance sheet was from Brian yeah. Moynihan. The enterprise ba balance sheet is great. The oil balance sheet is great. So, what's not great are venture capitals, because but they don't play with leveraged money. David, that's one of the great things about this. That's true. It's the venture capitals that everybody hates because they did all these up rounds. Yes. Now they got to bring to the market or else they're, they're crammed. But they didn't borrow money to do it, so there's not a lot of leverage. That's a good point. That's right? a very good point. Thank you. Um, that said, there are plenty of investment funds that are deep in this stuff. Well, but again, yeah. no systemic risk. But they're going to have significant losses. Questions are whether where they are marking things currently. Well, can the triple? You don't necessarily have to mark them down versus the peer public group. Uh, no. You certainly have to if there's a down round, which all these companies want to avoid. But a lot of companies are doing well. I mean, look, we spoke to to to, to James Quincy now. If we get the glut in aluminum and cans, think about what happens with him. He's raised price, raised price, and then it's just, just a field day. So that's what you have to look for. You have to look for the companies that have raised price. I mean, one of the, I mean Campbell's Soup last week, what a quarter. And then it's still going to raise price, and there's no one's not drinking soup. It, soup remains a real bargain, David. It does? Yeah, soup is not a, first to say fresh. Everything's a lot more expensive. That's true, actually. Everything. Uh, I'm looking even at a call on Kroger right now here, Jim, from Wells. Well, it's defensive, but the stock could struggle to work if mar margins begin to see pressure. Stock stays are numbered, in our view. It's the, uh, one well, of the only know, names that's green today. They're numbered on June 16th. They're going to report. So uh, they've done well so far, but that's an easy call. You can That call will be forgotten if the stock goes up, and he will be a hero if uh, or he or she. Well, well, we all remember the last time we were in a Kroger market, and then... One day we, we no longer were, remember? Yes. We were doing our shows from home back then. Yes. I think that the supermarket is the price point. We know that Tyson talks about it. Uh, they don't have enough people to slaughter the herd. Uh, there is uh, genuine pressure in every aisle, Dave, every single aisle. Really quick, Jim. Um, on Friday, we had the UBS upgrade at Tesla. Today, it's RBC. Yeah, those, they go to outperform. They, the balls kept they, in they the shave air. the target. They go to 1100 from 1175 But even Evercore today says we still expect them to deliver a million cars. Well, look, I don't think people are realistic. I did a lot of checking this weekend about what ch chips are available. And no, the vast majority of the chips that are needed are still not accounted for. The only ones that are available are the ones that are equivalent of the glut in PCs. That's not what the car companies want, so they're going to still have, they're going to really strain. Uh, David, you talked about the Amazon split and how it didn't create any value, but people liked it. That was a good call. It created momentum. Yeah, created momentum for the stock. Well, now it's not, Carl, it's 
down a lot. It's reversed. Yeah. It's, it's King Midas reverse, frankly. It's a King Midas reversal? Yeah. King Midas Everything you touch turns to aluminum? What? What? Yeah, what does that mean? It's a song. King Midas and never mind. Oh, man. <laughs> well, listen, if it comes to a song and you stump him, then you really are talking about something. Well, I, is... I thought it was interesting that I stumped him. Yeah. Hey, he doesn't get carry stumped. in. What's your name now? Does it... Are you with him? No. no it's you know another what? song. This is generational. These are quizzes. This uh, is like from the 40s. Okay. We'll talk about it. Glenn, Glenn Miller? 50s? <laughs> no. You cooling, <laughs> limpid, green-eyed <laughs> senator from Massachusetts. Uh, we have lost 3,800, uh, guys. Fresh intraday lows for the year. Let's get to Bob Pisani. Hey, Bob. Yeah, uh, this you won't see very often, Carl. 30 to 1 declining to advancing stocks. We used, 10 to 1 used to be an extreme limit. 30 to 1, you're going to go long uh, many years without seeing that kind of uh, imbalance there. Take a look at the sectors, uh, and we have not only whammies on inflation concerns, on China issues as well. Uh, energy stocks are getting hit uh, today. Uh, semis are getting hit uh, NVIDIA, 160, that's a new low, I believe, for NVIDIA, 52-week low for NVIDIA. Consumer discretionary, of course, all the travel stocks are weak. Consumer staples, uh, a little bit better, but only uh, not as bad at this point. Most of the major indices are at 52-week lows, including the S&P 500. And interestingly, the equal weight S&P 500, the RSP, also 52-week low. NASDAQ composite, Dow Jones transports, also 52-week lows. Commodity stocks getting hit, of course, on not just inflation issues, but uh, issues that are uh, arising over in China, we saw, of course, with additional lockdowns in Beijing. So some of the big oil names are down. Uh, Freeport McMoran has been down every day for the last four or five days. It was, what, 43 or 44 a few days ago, four days ago maybe. Now it's 37. So we're down 15 percent in a major, the biggest copper producer in the world uh, just in the last four days. So the bottom line is it's looking like a long summer at this point. Uh, the stock market's this slow motion uh, train wreck that I've been talking about for the last few days. The important thing is that all of the three issues we care about are going against us. And that, of course, is the peak inflation. Do we see it? No. Do we think the Fed is pausing? No. Do we see a soft landing? Maybe, but it's certainly less likely at this point. And abroad, on the China lockdown, it's been very fluid. We've seen additional issues going on in Beijing over the weekend. Russia, Ukraine, of course, no change in that. So all the three major issues, China, Russia, Ukraine, and Fed inflation, basically not going in the way of the bulls. So the market knows to put too much weight on the peak inflation narrative. We're back to that mid-May narrative, and that is the Fed will make a policy mistake, and something's going to happen. They'll cause a recession. So if you look at the strange situation on the market this year, from my wheelhouse, the earnings, Look how strange this is. We're down about 20% year-to-date. The multiple compression is 20%. So the entire decline in the stock market is a multiple comp compression, yet earnings are still expected to be up 10%, and they haven't changed. In fact, they went up a little bit last week. This is this very weird anomaly we keep talking about uh, in the last several weeks now. The S&P 500 earnings are still rising. They're expected to be up 10% this year. They're expected to be up almost 10%, 9.8%. Uh, in 2023. So essentially, we haven't gone anywhere at all. We still have very high expectations. So if the market comes to believe that a recession is inevitable, those earnings estimates are going to go away. They're going to go back down, perhaps to zero uh, in 2023, down um, in 2022 as well. And the result is you may have another 10% decline in the market. So if you put another 10% decline in the market, then you're down 30%. This is about average. Lori Calvacina and other people have been noting this fact that, and she said this this morning here, the S&P 500 tends to lose on average one-third of its value heading into and around recession. So, Carl, you put 20% multiple decline, 10% earnings go away. 
and you get a 30% decline. And that's not even on top of an additional multiple compression we may see. Carl, back to you. All right, Bob. Thanks, uh, Bob Pisani. As we go to break, let's take a look at the bond report, see how uh, Treasuries are faring today. Big week for central banks. We'll get not only the Fed, but Bank of Japan, Bank of England. We'll get Taiwan. We'll get Brazil. A bunch of rate decisions. Ten-year, 327. Uh, you got one Dow stock green. That's 3M. And basically one S&P name green as well. Dow's down 620. Jim, what's on Mad tonight? Uh, I've got Humana, which hasn't done a lot of TV. By the way, Elms, uh, Phil reminds me that they had 45,000 pre-orders. That's a SPAC that's gone. And I'm happy to report that I got what was left of my Ethereum out. They let me out. I'm excited about that. Uh, not going to necessarily reveal which one, unless you ask me to, which one that I took the money out. They gave me the money. Not bad, huh? Congratulations. Isn't that great? Well, that's why I was always with Binance now, dude. Binance now. Binance right. now. Got it. It's the it's only one you can touch. Because they gave you the money in 15. Binance, I cannot Binance, believe I got rid of the remainder amount. This is just so great. This was the initial money that I put in before the big run. What a twop. That's success. Well yeah. done. And then I got the money back. So it's kind of like a U.S. Treasury, David. Yes, it was. It's except, the only time I've ever for, confused it with. the fact that it wasn't. <laughs> we'll see you tonight. I got money. my money back. 6 p.m. Eastern time. We're going to stay on top of the sell-off as we are hovering just above 3,800, 15-month uh, low. Don't go away. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. 